Are you ready to get empowered? Of course you are. Well, you've picked the right time and the right place. It's time now for Francina Hallris and the Empowered Family Talk program. Spend the next hour with Francina and learn things that you need to know. Francina Hallrest, and this is Empowered Family Talk. Good day to all of our listeners and sponsors, and welcome back to Empowered Family Talk, our Christmas special. And Francina, what a Christmas special it's going to be. We've gathered some of our family and friends to share their memories of Christmas with you. So let's begin with our friend Rachel Cransby. Uh, and a really good definition of what Christmas is all about. Christmas time is a very special time. Christmas time is all about family. It's all about togetherness. It's all about love, communication, quality. And for once, it's not just about the present. It's about our presence with each other. It's about making that impact, being valuable to each other, showing love, care, support, tenderness. This is what I value about Christmas. It's about people coming together for a greater cause. It's about having values and morals stronger than just a materialistic aspect. It's also a time for growth. It's a time to re-engage with family, friends that we have not connected with for a very long time. Most importantly, it's about giving back. There are so many people, so many kids that do not have the opportunity to spend time with their family. So this time is so necessary to just love on each other. Now, Jack, wasn't that beautiful? Oh, that was delightful. Wonderful story. Wonderful story. So let's take a break and come back after this. All right, Francina, we'll take that break and back in a moment. Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills. From anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com. And oh, by the way, Thank you. You know, Jack, we have a very special member of our staff who actually has memories of having to cut down the Christmas tree. Let's hear from our very own Colonel Mason to tell us about it. Well, you know, Jack, I uh, I appreciate you kind of asking me, you and Francina. You know, uh, I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but I grew up in Michigan's wild Upper Peninsula when I was a lad. And my father was an engineer uh, at a northernmost air base to uh, protect the nation from sneak attack from Russia that we thought might be sending bombers over the North Pole. And um, it was a very um, important uh, time, the Pine Tree Line, the, the Dew Line, and the air base was a SAC, an ADC base, very important, SAC being Strategic Air Command, that's so we could retaliate against Russia. And ADC is the Air Defense Command, and that's to defend the country from sneak attack. 
We lived on a 40-acre lake near a crossroads of the woods called Forsyth. We didn't live on base. We were real near Lake Superior in Canada. We were pretty far up there. And um, the, uh, the great summers, uh, we, you know, we on the lake, it was, it was wonderful sailing, uh, uh, squirrels, snowshoe, hare, deer. Uh, we had a lot of wildlife come by the cabin. But in the wintertime, it was easy to get cabin fever. Because sometimes it would go 40 degrees below zero. We were pretty isolated in the winter months. Long days, even weeks, overcast, never see the sunlight. So Christmas could be pretty cheerless. And the UP gets lots of snow, known as the big snow country, sometimes 200 inches a year. And when we, we snowed in, sometimes I'd have to walk for three miles on snowshoes to Brown's store and post office where we got our mail and they had some light provisions. And I'd get some uh, eggs and uh, butter, uh, bread, that sort of thing, like provisions, when we were snowed in and take it back to the cabin. Well, one Christmas, I went out on snowshoes, hitched the dog to the toboggan. The dog, uh, incidentally, uh, uh, in the snow, uh, with no snowshoes, had to leap through the snow, but he pulled the toboggan just fine. And I went out to look for us a Christmas tree. Now, the UP is loaded with jack pine. And jack pine's pretty scraggly pine trees. It's good for very little except maybe making pulp wood to, to, for, the, uh, uh, for the paper mills, which are all over the UP. And I wanted a spruce, something kind of pretty. And I had to go pretty deep in the woods in order to, to, get, uh, to find a spruce. But finally, I found the perfect one. It was exactly the right size that I wanted. It was six feet tall, beautiful spruce. And so I got out my hatchet and cut it down at the base and uh, put it on the toboggan and the dog, uh, me on snowshoes and the dog leaping through the snow. We towed the, uh, the, the spruce back to the house and we had a cheery little Christmas. Well, um, in, the, in the spring, you know, there's a heavy snow melt and spring is beautiful in the UP. We all want to be out of the house just as soon as we possibly could. And sometimes that wasn't until pretty late in the spring until the snow melted to such a time that you... One to, one to be out. And I decided to take a walk back through the woods and find the spot where I had uh, found the Christmas tree. And I was through all the jack pine, and I had a little difficulty figuring out because nothing looked the same. And uh, then uh, I, uh, I happened to be walking past the spot where I had cut the Christmas tree, and I found a tall spruce. And I thought, what is this? And I looked up, and the top of the spruce tree had been cut off. That was my... Christmas tree. So that's what we had to do to have a cheery Christmas. My English teacher, uh, freshman English uh, at that time, had a, had a picture of his mother on skis, and the tip of uh, their garage was sticking up uh, out of the snow beside them. So that's, that's kind of uh, the Christmas we had. We always had a white Christmas. Hey, wasn't that a great Christmas story from Colonel Mason? Now, Francina, I want to hear your Christmas story. Tell us about it, would you, girl? Well, Jack, you know, I have so many stories. I don't think we have enough time to talk about all of my stories. But one that comes to mind is um, at Christmas in the, in the 80s, I didn't receive a present under the Christmas tree. And I couldn't. I was so sad. And I didn't understand why I didn't have a present. Everyone else did. And uh, I was told that I was going to Paris, France, in three weeks. And that the money that my uh, parents had saved up for that is for that trip and not for Christmas. So I, I share that story in, in, in the essence of in the happiness of Christmas and the hope of going to Paris, France to uh, engage the Eiffel Tower at Christmas was much more appealing if I could just hold out without the gift under the Christmas tree. So uh, that's one of my stories. And the second story I'll share uh, real quickly was um, we had a wonderful Christmas uh, growing up as children. But one of the things that I was drawn to was the sadness of others around Christmas time. I couldn't understand why folks were crying and why they were sad. 
And so I always wanted to go and get my Christmas present and make them happy. That was just one of my childhood things. It, while it was a happy time, it was also a sad time. And I was always drawn to trying to make sad people happy. But overall, and the third thing I'll share in close, uh, over the years of, of growing up, I've, I've come to the realization that um, Christmas, uh, as we know it today, is a year-end celebration of our prosperity and our abundance and our love and our hearts and our minds and just being thankful for the money we made in the year, for all the accomplishments we had and for all of our family members that are still living and with us and for those that are missing from our Christmas table, uh, we are able to give them love and honor as we chart out for a new year and carry on their spirit of prosperity and hope for a great future. So I love this time of year uh, when families are able to come together and Empower Family Talk is able to bring uh, this love and happiness and joy to the table. So thank you for giving me an opportunity, Jack, to share my story. Now, we've gone a long time without any music. Jack, can you put something on that people can dance to? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it glows All of the other reindeer Used to laugh and call him names They never let poor Rudolph Join in any reindeer games Then one foxy Christmas Eve Santa came to say Rudolph with your nose so bright Won't you Shouted out with glee Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer He'll go down in history Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer He'll go down in history That guy was always 
cooler than uh, a bowl of ice cream. You know, Francina? Uh, my grandfather, on my mom's side, uh, her mom's dad was a preacher. And uh, the story goes that uh, he was going around seeing some of his members and uh, stopped into one young family's house couple of nights before Christmas to say hi, hello, and Merry Christmas. And they were having supper, and they invited him in to have supper, but they but they had some eggnog on the table. And, and <laughs> the story goes, uh, my, the story goes that uh, uh, the young couple was trying to get the eggnog off the table before the reverend had any, but they didn't get it off in time. <laughs> and they got a little nervous and uh, uh, the the young man said, Reverend, would you offer up a, a word for the table? <laughs> and supposedly my great grandpa said, bless this couple, bless this table. But most of all, bless the cow that gave this milk. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have liked that version of Rudolph. Day, their old familiar carols play. Wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. I thought. You know, thank you so much for being with us on Christmas Day. You know, uh, Francina, was there yes. ever a doll that you really wanted when you were a little girl? Yes. I've got another friend of the show here with us who wanted a very special doll for Christmas, and she's got a very special story about getting that doll. Oh. Well, my favorite Christmas memory, of course, is from childhood, and I think for most of us that, that probably is um, the way it is for everyone, because Christmas is such an exciting time for children. So I was probably about six years old, and still very excited about Mr. Santa Claus. Uh, he was as real to me as 
my parents and my brothers and sisters and my children everywhere. I waited with breathless anticipation every December for Christmas to come. But one this particular Christmas, um, I was fixated on a doll in the window of a little corner grocery store. This was back when we still had corner grocery stores. It was called Rudy's. And every day I would go and stare in this window at this beautiful doll who was almost as tall as me. Um, we had uh, these dolls back then we called walking dolls. And she had a beautiful blue dress and an embroidered white pinafore, and she had beautiful golden curls and just was, I thought, the prettiest doll I had ever seen. And I wanted that doll. And I kept telling my mom, you know, make sure Santa Claus knows I want that doll. And um, we were not poor, but we were not well off either. So money was tight. I had uh, several brothers and sisters. And uh, so my mom was good at managing expectations. And she would tell me, well, you know, there's probably a lot of little girls that want that doll. So I'm not sure that Santa's going to be able to get you that doll. And so this was a lot like Ralphie in A Christmas Story, although this was probably long before that ever came to be a movie um, and he wanted his Red Ryder BB gun while well, I wanted this Teresa walking doll and I just pestered my mother and my father day after day and I went and I visited this doll and I named her Teresa even before I even before Christmas and I just you know was desperate I had to have this doll and so on Christmas Eve we generally opened our gifts on Christmas Eve um, the family went to an early mass, and that gave my grandparents time to come in and spread the toys around under the tree. Uh, and of course, like all children without a fireplace, we were very concerned about Santa Claus being able to get in. And my mom said, oh, we left a window uh, open for him, and we left cookies. So we, you know, we sat through a, what seemed five hours of Christmas mass. It was probably only one hour, but it seemed like five hours to us. And then we, you know, we went home and, of course, opened the door and there was the beautiful lit Christmas tree and there were presents all over under the tree. And, you know, we, you know, ran over and began, you know, tearing the wrapping off our presents like all children do and, um, you know, sitting there and opening and many nice gifts and things from grandparents and things from Santa Claus and still no large box with a beautiful doll. And I was just getting sadder and sadder and more and more concerned and, you know, oh, I'm not going to get this doll and, you know, trying to, you know, keep a stiff upper lip for my parents that things were great. And we had opened all the gifts and still, you know, still no large box appeared. And so I thought, you know, just like Ralphie in Christmas Story, only minus the pink um, rabbit pajamas, um, that, I, you know, this was not going to be the Christmas where I was going to get my wish. And then, Lo and behold, my dad found this enormous box way back behind the Christmas tree where no one could see it. And I opened the box, and of course, there was my doll, Teresa. And I just, I adored that doll. I That doll sat next to me at dinner, <laughs> its own chair. Um, I think my mother even ended up talking to the doll half the time because she thought it was one of us. Uh, and I had that doll for years, and by the time, you know, I was too old to play with dolls, Teresa was in pretty bad shape, <laughs> and her hair was half gone, and, you know, she was a little beat up, but um, that was still a really warm and wonderful Christmas memory to me of, of, of the year that uh, Santa Claus granted my wish and brought me uh, my heart's desire, uh, my beautiful walking doll, Teresa. Next year, I could be also 
off my Christmas list. Do-do-be-do, Santa, honey. I want a yacht and really that's not a lot. I've been an angel all year, Santa, baby. Hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa cutie, there's one thing that I really do need. So baby, I fill my stocking with a duplex and checks. Sign your ex on the line, Santa baby. Hurry down the chimney tonight. Come and trim my Christmas tree with some decorations you buy the Tiffany's. I really do.
One of the newest members of our family is Mel. Francina, tell us a little bit about Mel, because I don't know that much about the guy. Yeah, Mel is a very special uh, person on this planet uh, with a rich French heritage uh, from the country we know today as France. Uh, I, I'm just uh, delighted to have him to share one of those great early family Christmas stories with us today. Hi, this is Mel Rapley. Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, I'd like to begin with, uh, after saying Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody, with telling a little story about um, something that happened to me when I was 12 years old growing up in Northern Virginia. And um, my one of my uh, Christmas remembrances, I had uh, two other sisters, and we wanted a pool table, not a fancy pool table, like one of these pool tables you get at Toys R Us that the legs kind of fold out like a poker table. And um, we had a poker uh, or this pool table. The other thing I wanted um, very much was a hamster. And I remember Christmas morning, we ran out. My sisters were excited. We had the pool table and sitting on top of the pool table were a bunch of presents and and the hamster cage was there and I was like wow and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the hamster and I'm telling my parents you know oh thank you so much I'm 12 years old I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore and my sisters were older but I'm like thank you so much for the hamster and I go he's great and he goes yeah the two of them should be wonderful together and I'm like I only count one and they're like oh no um the little gate had been left slightly open and apparently one of the hamsters had gotten out so we're frantically looking for the hamster and we clear off the pool table and we're going around the house looking for the hamster. My sisters decided to play pool and um, they're shooting pool and we would hear this little beep, beep. Um, this little, every so often this little squeak and like, I think I hear the hamster. Uh, apparently he was in the corner pocket of the pool table. So whenever my sister uh, sank, a, sank a ball into the corner pocket, um, it landed near him. Didn't land on him. He was fine. He was safe. He didn't get hurt. But uh, he would make a noise every time the ball would go in the hole. So I remember um, my father reaching down into the pocket of the pool table and pulling out this little fuzzy teddy bear hamster and going, here's your Christmas present. Um, so we we learned quickly to not give animals after that Christmas. That was our last Christmas giving animals. But uh, he survived. Uh, we actually named the hamster Pockets. Um, after being in the pool table. So that's my that's my Christmas story. Okay, Jack. We know you have a friend that you do volunteer work with. And we know that she shared her family story with you, her Christmas story, which she's called A Child Making Her Parents' Christmas Much Brighter. One of my favorite Christmas memories was, oh, there's a lot. There was a huge, we've got a whole lot of people in our family, but my parents were married over the Christmas holidays, so it was like December 27th. So I said to myself, whenever I could make enough money, I'm going to give them this huge party, right? So the best I could do at 25th, the 25th was get them wedding rings and a cake, and they did their vows in my grandmother's house, my mom's mom's house. That, I thought, yes, I got to do that. Well, it took a while. It was their 50th anniversary, so that was in 1998, and I was able to get the whole family, all of the grandchildren, all of the immediate family. There were 10 of us, so you know there's a whole bunch of us anyway. I was able to get everybody together. I was so excited to be able to give back to my parents like this. And my brother and my sister, they, they helped with, what they could but this was my big present I'll never forget got everybody together we rented out a space had the food catered and I had my brother pick up my mom and my dad right okay 
so we get there he walks them into the room it's all decorated christmas stuff the kids are there and we had the best time all of the grandchildren were playing instruments at that time so you should have seen them playing christmas music with horns uh violins <laughs> and and a trumpet it was wonderful and i am so thankful that i was able to do that because my dad passed away 2 years after that so it is one of my fondest memories of christmas but also celebrating family and what a perfect time to do that yeah that's my friend Cynthia Dorn telling her story about Christmas. This is the Empowered Family Talk Christmas Special. Okay, Francina, you were brave enough to step up and tell your Christmas memory. Turnabout's fair play. I guess I'll have to tell mine. When we were asked to come up with some Christmas memories from years gone by, uh, I at first was kind of hesitant because frankly, the holiday season uh has has never been a very happy one for me. I've had a lot of a lot of negative things happen during this time of year. So I got to thinking about one that uh I hadn't told anybody about. It was uh, back around the time that I was 10 years old. You may have heard me say at some point or another my old man was in the military and he was in the military from the start of World War II up until he died when he was 43. This particular Christmas that comes to mind and uh, the old man as I affectionately call him now was in his mid 30s. My mom was a couple of years younger. And they were a fun couple. We had moved into the house that I still consider home. Out of military housing. Out of a bunch of kids running around and yelling and screaming and playing with me it was a nice place to be and a nice time in my life now that i think back upon it well dad had come home from the base he was still wearing what they call a duty uniform now that's the uniform that sailors and soldiers and coasties wear when they're working it's usually green and uh, Now it's got got that military look to it but it's not formal. So dad comes in and he does the one thing that every 10-year-old boy hates. He kisses mom. You never think of your parents being mushy or romantic at least I never did. And uh he puts a record on the phonograph. Yeah, we had phonographs back then. <laughs> Not CD players or cassettes. And he puts this record on. And it's Charles Brown, who was a very popular singer back then, singing Merry Christmas Baby. And he starts whispering in mom's ear, "Merry Christmas, Ruby. You sure been good to me." Well, dad would be gone in just a few years. And I don't remember mom ever dancing to that song again. But when I close my eyes, I can see them just like it wasn't 60 years ago. That's my Christmas card. Hope you have one that you love. And you're listening to the Empowered Family Talk Christmas Special. We'll take a break right now. Empower your family with the dynamic new book by Francina Hallrus, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose: The Power in Knowing Who You Are. 
It's the book that gives you insights into life's problems. Francina Hallris is an author, motivational speaker, and national broadcaster who believes the answers to your problems lies within the knowledge that was once traditionally passed down by families. But that knowledge has been short-circuited by today's faster pace. The book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, brings that accumulated wisdom to the problems that all families face. You'll find your copy of Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, at Amazon and at Better Bookstores. Empower your life with the dynamic new book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, by Francina Hulrus. We have a fellow around here at Empowered Family Talk that is the heart and soul of this operation. He's also one of the biggest contributors. Here's Demetrius with his Christmas memory. Hello, my name is Demetrius. How are you doing today? And uh, I was going to talk a little bit about Christmas. Uh, I do have a memory uh, back, I think, when I was uh, maybe like seven or eight years old, something like that. And uh, we were just so excited. And I grew up in the Midwest, where you know we have snow up there. From a Massachusetts, but I grew up in the Midwest, like I said, Ohio. And I do remember uh, the, the Christmas Eve. My mom and dad. I have uh, two sisters and a brother. My mom and dad uh, have Santa Claus and two elves come over. Uh, I think it was like eight o'clock. I remember it was kind of like towards the early evening. But uh, almost bedtime, we were so excited because the holiday and the music and the snow on the ground, a little bit crispy, cold up there. And then Santa Claus came in and we were just, oh my God, we were just so excited, jumping up and down and he had gifts for us. And uh, we took pictures and uh, my brother was jumping up and down, my sisters, my mom and dad. It was just like a family fun activity. We had so much fun. And... Uh, Look back in, uh, look back now uh, through the time, and, and Christmas is such a joyful time with families coming together, and uh, that's what it should be about. But uh, that's one um, memory I do remember is that time when my mom and dad had Santa Claus with the elves come in. Uh, that that was my that's my uh, big time uh, uh, moment. Okay, Jack, uh, we have time for one more special Christmas story from our good friend Kimberly Klein out of the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My favorite childhood Christmas memory happened when I was about eight years old. Like many children that age, I was questioning whether Santa was really real. Most of my friends, especially ones that had older brothers and sisters, kept telling me that there was no Santa and that my parents brought me my gifts. They said only babies believed that one man could bring gifts to children all around the world in one night. The idea that there was there may be no Santa really made me sad. I didn't want it to be true, but I also didn't want to be called a baby by my friends either. So a few days before Christmas, I finally broke down and went to my father and asked, Dad, is Santa real? He stopped what he was doing, looked at me, and said, why do you ask? I told him what my friends were saying and how they said I was a baby if I believed in the impossible. That is when my father sat me down and told me that believing in what many think is impossible is what Christmas is all about. It is a season filled with the spirit of love and giving, and Santa embodies that spirit. So I went to bed that night thinking of what my father had told me about Christmas and how and Santa, and I knew I wanted to believe that Santa was real. So that Christmas Eve, I went to bed with the anticipation all children feel on that special night before Christmas. Not long after I was in bed, I was startled by a sound that seemed to come from our roof. I woke my sister to see if she could hear it too. But just as suddenly as it came, the noise stopped. It seemed to take forever, but I did finally fall asleep. The next morning, I got up, woke my sister. I was always the first up every Christmas morning and immediately jumped out of bed and looked outside. There I saw what looked like sleigh tracks and deer hoof prints in our driveway. They stopped right where my driveway ended and disappeared. 
I looked up at the roof on our addition, and that is when I saw it. The same tracks were on the top of our roof. It looked like Santa and his sleigh had landed on our roof, touched down on our driveway, then flew off into the sky. I ran into our parents' room and yelled, Santa was here, Santa was here, and he left sleigh tracks on our roof. I will always remember that Christmas as the one that brought me great joy and excitement because I still believe. Years later, when my brother, who was eight years younger than me, was beginning to have his own doubts, my father let me in on a little secret. He shared what happened that year when I was beginning to question whether Santa was real. He said that he was not ready for me to not believe. So on that Christmas Eve, he went up on our roof with his ice skates, and a spoon. He made those sleigh tracks and hoof prints. Then he came down and did the same thing in our driveway. Understandably, I was amazed at the trouble he went to to make me happy and to keep the spirit of the season alive. My father died when I was 29, but I will always remember what he did for me that year. And I've carried that with me as I got married and became a parent myself. For me, what my father did, did is an example of the true meaning of Christmas, caring about others, wanting them to be happy, and most of all, making it possible to believe in the impossible. I try to carry those beliefs with me every day, but especially during the Christmas season. And that is my favorite childhood Christmas memory. I got to tell you, I got tears in my eyes. I was crying, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Hopefully it didn't stop. Well, Francina, we've come to the end of the hour. It's been a Christmas special from Empowered Family Talk Radio. Have you had fun? I've had just a wonderful time. Yeah. Wonderful time, Jack. It's and, been great. And it's been a good year for us. And so we yes. want, and we want to invite everybody to be back with us next Monday for New Year's Eve. For New, uh, let me try that again. We want to invite everybody to be back with us next Monday for New Year's Day. But there's only one thing that I want to ask you, Francina, as we get out of here. You know, just you, like the song. You, you got it. You just, got it. just like you, the just. It's your, it's your question to ask. Just like the ask. song says, hey. What are you doing New Year's Eve, girl? (laughs) Maybe it's much too early in the game. Oh, but I thought I'd ask you just the same. What are you doing New
maybe I'm crazy to suppose I'd ever be the one you chose out of the thousand invitations you Here comes the jackpot question in advance. What are you doing? 